1: welcome everyone. Uh, Again, this is um, the fourth class in our structured study on the wisdom of restraint, understanding dispassion. So this is a really great sutta um, to understand dispassion. Kevin had taught this sutta a couple times really well once on retreat and once here in class, Um, so I'm going to give it my best effort here. Um, Three Governing Principles for Vipassana Adipataya Sutta The Buddha addressed those gathered. There are three governing principles for the cessation of ignorance. One, the self as a governing principle for the cessation of ignorance. Two, the world as a governing principle for the cessation of ignorance. Three, the Dhamma is a governing principle for the cessation of ignorance. So again, what, even if we just go back to the, the title of this study, The Wisdom of Restraint, Understanding Dispassion, How is the self a governing principle for the cessation of ignorance, for the for understanding dispassion? Through mindfulness. How is the world governing principle for the cessation of ignorance, for understanding dispassion. Through jhana meditation, through meditative absorption, we are aware of more subtle perception, which um, in other translations of this there is the world as the cosmos. So there are a lot of Um, subtle perception within the cosmos, within the world. Developing concentration through jhana, developing the concentration that comes with practicing jhana meditation, that comes with practicing meditative absorption, changes our relationship with the world. I think uh, Epictetus said something like the calm or, or cultivated person bothers neither himself nor anyone in the world. So that's that speaks to this in a way. Um, Then three, the Dhamma is a governing principle. How is the Dhamma a governing principle for the cessation of ignorance, for understanding dispassion? The Dhamma in this case refers to the Eightfold Path. So the Eightfold Path of Practice, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right mindfulness, right effort, right meditation. In those facets are the governing principle for how to understand dispassion. So, Buddha's words How is the self a governing principle for the cessation of ignorance? A skillful disciple having established seclusion and quiet, reflects on this. It is not for the sake of robes, alms, lodging, or future becoming that I am practicing the Dhamma. I am afflicted by birth, sickness, aging, and death, by sorrow, regret, pain, distress, and despair, overcome by stress perhaps the cessation of this entire mass of suffering can be known. So right there, a skillful disciple having established seclusion and quiet reflects on this. It is not for the sake of robes. Recognition. Alms. Stuff. Lodging. Comfort or future becoming a better birth in another plane of existence that i practice the dhamma so we're not practicing for reward here this isn't this isn't about getting something this isn't about acquisition we practice the dhamma because there is birth Sickness, aging, death, sorrow, regret, pain, distress, despair. Overcome by stress. We're all affected by the stress that's inherent in the world and our contribution to that stress. That's why perhaps the cessation of this entire mass can be no. Buddha continues. What if I were to seek the same sort of sensual pleasures that I abandoned? Here he's, he's sort of hypothetical. I would lose the way. I will maintain persistence, my mindfulness refined and not confused, my body calm and not aroused, my mind well concentrated and united with my body. The skillful disciple, having established themselves as a governing principle, abandon what is unskillful and develops what is skillful. The skillful disciple remains well-focused and pure. This is how the a skillful disciple establishes themselves as a governing principle in ending ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. So having established themselves as a governing principle, of the skillful disciple abandons what is unskillful and develops what is skillful. So, how do we recognize what's unskillful in our conduct, in our thoughts, in our speech, in our actions? Mindfulness. We start by with what we're holding in mind. So this, if, we're, if we're holding the Eightfold Path in mind, then we're abandoning what's unskillful and developing what's skillful. Buddha's Words How is the world a governing principle for the cessation of ignorance? A skillful disciple having established seclusion and quiet reflects on this. It is not for the sake of robes, alms, lodging, or future becoming that I am practicing the Dhamma. I am afflicted by birth, sickness, aging, and death, by sorrows, regret, pain, distress, and despair. Overcome by stress, perhaps the cessation of this entire mass of suffering can be known. What if I were to think the same thoughts of sensual pleasures, of ill-will, of harmfulness that I abandoned? So here, here's somebody who's already been on the path, already been practicing, already developed the Dhamma. What if, what if they fall back into the habits of householder life or mundane life or uh, the trappings of the world? What if I were to think the same thoughts of sensual pleasures, of ill will, of harmfulness, that I abandoned? Beings are many in the world. There are contemplatives, Brahmins, and Devas who claim psychic powers. They can see near and far. Even so, they would see the unskillful disciple this way. Here is one who has taken to the Buddha's Dhamma. But they remain overcome by hurtful and unskillful mental qualities. So, here in in this, he's sort of holding out contemplatives, Brahmins, and Devas who have developed more and more refined and subtle means of perception. Clairvoyance clairaudience, audience, clear, you know, you name it, psychic powers, psychic abilities. Uh, even so, they would see the unskillful disciple this way. Here is one who has taken to the Buddha's Dhamma, but they remain overcome by hurtful and unskillful mental qualities. So here he's saying there's nowhere to hide what is going on in here. Whatever's going on in here is going to be available to folks who have developed very subtle levels of, refined levels of perception. Those kinds of people are not common in the world,
2: but
3: But they haven't gotten. Awakening. Right. But even beside that, they're still able to recognize that a disciple has gone off the rails.
1: Right. Exactly. So that this kind of um, error. can't be hidden. Even we, we, we know in ourselves if we've erred. And if we're abandoning what's unskillful and practicing what's skillful, then we're taking responsibility for it. We're taking responsibility for what's coming up in us that leads to unskillful mental qualities. Ill will, harmfulness, All of those kinds of things. Doubt, the skill, Buddha's words, the skillful disciple reflects in this manner, I will maintain persistence, my mindfulness refined and not confused, my body calm and not aroused, my mind well concentrated and united with my body. So all of these things are, are, are a call to return to practice. Return your mindfulness to your body. Return your, your mindfulness to the Eightfold Path. If you went astray, no problem. Take a breath. Unite your mind and your body. Come back to Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Path. The skillful disciple, having established the world as a governing principle, abandons what is unskillful and develops what is skillful. The skillful disciple remains well-focused and pure. This is how a skillful disciple establishes the world as a governing principle in ending ignorance of Four Noble Truths. So again, in that way, jhana, practice. Buddha's words. How is my Dhamma a governing principle for the cessation of ignorance? A skillful disciple having established seclusion and quiet reflects on this. It is not for the sake of robes, alms, lodging, or future becoming that I am practicing the Dhamma. I am afflicted by birth, sickness, aging, and death, by sorrow, regret, pain, distress, and despair, overcome by stress. Perhaps the cessation of this entire mass of suffering can be known. My Dhamma is well taught by me to be developed here and now. My Dhamma is timeless, encourages verification, entirely relevant to be directly experienced by the observant disciple for themselves. Don't take my word for it. Go ahead, practice it. Ehepesiko, come and see for yourself what developing mindfulness of Four Noble Truths and, and mindfulness of Eightfold Path does to your life, to your behavior, to the thoughts that you think, to what you say to yourself about those thoughts, to what you say to other people, to how you are in the world.
2: It really points toward right intention. Yeah. To understand what this practice is. Yeah.
1: Buddha's words. Skillful disciples are true companions in the well-integrated life, who dwell in the well-taught Dhamma. Well disciplined, they know that laziness and mindlessness will cause them to lose their way. The skillful disciple reflects in this manner. I will maintain persistence, my mindfulness refined and not confused, my body calm and not aroused my mind well concentrated and united with my body. The skillful disciple, having established my Dhamma as a governing principle, and here meaning the Eightfold Path, abandons what is unskillful and develops what is skillful. The skillful disciple remains well-focused and pure. This is how a skillful disciple establishes as a governing principle in ending ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. These are the three governing principles of my Dhamma. There is no secret place in the world for those doing evil. The skillful disciple knows whether they are well-focused or confused. The skillful disciple clearly observes themselves that hurtful behavior hides. The wise, those with refined perception, see the fool unrestrained in the world. So govern yourself with mindfulness. Govern the world with wise restraint. Established in jhana, governed by the dhamma, in thought, word, and deed, follow the Eightfold Path. The sage who is engaged in right effort in developing their understanding of Four Noble Truths will not lose their way. The skillful disciple conquers Mara. Mara here is a metaphor for unconscious content. Mara was, in all of the uh, Buddhist tanka paintings and artwork, Mara is a demon. um, There was a couple of them. Yama is a bull-headed demon. Mara was another big demon. Um, but that is a metaphor for our unconscious content that mm, distracts us and uh, overwhelms us. Um, the skillful disciple conquer- conquers Mara. There is no further becoming. The skillful disciple understands the world, a sage, free of ignorance of themselves and the world. That's the end of the sutta. So let's let's talk about this. Um, we'll go online. Kevin. not teacher Kevin, other Kevin. Back to you teacher Kevin. Thanks for the teaching tonight, Matt. I'm going to take no more silence am want to hear what others have to say. Thanks for being here, Kevin. Tom?
4: Uh, yeah, thanks for the teaching, Matt. Hello everyone. Nice to see you. Um, yeah, so I think a, a couple of things just to clarify in my mind. Um, so um, self is mindfulness. I think the one that confuse and, and, and um, the Dharma as a governing principle is also quite clear for me because it's essentially the path towards, um, you know, it's, it's, it's how to apply wise restraints, the path towards applying that wise restraint, right. the world was the one that confused me. Um, because it almost when I first read it, the suggestion was that the world is the answer to is a governing principle in it, you know, in the sense that what you can get in the I mean, if you were to look at this, without the sort of the wisdom of the um of of the buddha's teachings you might think that the you know the answers are out there in the world but essentially what it's saying is that the it's wise restraint from the world so you use the world as a your sort of um arena in which to practice the dharma and show wise restraint. that's where you gain the wisdom you know you watch the impermanence of things and the the futility with um chasing um material pleasures etc etc um ha, have i understood that that correctly that it's wise restraint with the world which is in itself the governing principle or, or, or uh yeah of um um of, of of these teachings
1: yes well said In that the world is governed by impermanence Right? So that's the field. The world that we're in is is governed by impermanence and uncertainty. So where jhana and meditative absorption comes into this is when we practice returning our mindfulness to the sensation of breathing in the body and developing concentration through progressive stages of meditative absorption we develop calm and that calm is we're able to as john says bring that off our cushion into the into the world so now there's when we think of that when you're calm like the Epictetus quote you're not creating uh, disturbance in your mind or in the world so there, there's
3: restraint there Can I add something to that? Sure One of the ways to, to see that. the, the Um, mention of the world here is um, to use the world to use the reflection of the world to um, to see your own behavior Um, you know as it says even you know uh, people that are actually unskilled in the Dharma that are that are not um, you know, and he's talking about brahmas and Devas and, and and whomsoever. They have some skill in the world, but even they can see uh, a disciple that's gone off the rails. So the disciple can, can use that uh, perception from them to correct their own behavior. It, it's, a, it's a reflection. The world as a reflection. And the world the, the reflection of the world as a motivation to uh, use that restraint and to, to stay on the path. Uh, just as in, in, in the first instance, you could use your own uh, judgment, the, the self, your own um, mindfulness. As a governing principle, this this word "governing principle" is is um, uh, a little ambivalent, um, but uh, in, in I see it as the question is: What drives you? What 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 keeps you on the path? Is it your your purely your own mindfulness? Is it seeing you know your own stupidities reflected back at you from 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 the world or is it just being purely in the dharma or a combination of those things
4: right it's it's interesting you said that because i was um i was on a metro last night in singapore and i had that moment where I, i i don't my phone doesn't i haven't got it connected to sort of you know, mobile data uh, mm. while I'm while I'm abroad. So, for uh, on a very rare occasion, I was actually traveling around Singapore without having data. Mm. And it was just a great opportunity to observe how distracted everyone. You know, I was on this metro carriage and absolutely everyone was just scrolling their phone. <laughs> it, was, it was unbelievable. You realize we we're just living in this, you know, this world of immense distraction. And it was in itself a, a motivation or a wake up call, Uh you know, not to, not to become, try not to become like that. Um, so yeah. yeah, And I I like that, that sense of being a reflection. That's an, that's an interesting way of, it's an opportunity for learning, isn't it?
3: And and it's funny when, when you don't have that distraction yourself, you're finally seeing how, how immensely distracting is to, to all, to everybody else.
4: (laughs) Exactly. Including ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Just, just one other thing I wanted to add, if that's okay, Matt, sure. Uh, Absolutely. Is the, the concept of a future becoming um, really sort of speaks to me as well, because I know that one way of seeing that is future lifetimes. Um, but just I was reflecting on this at the weekend, how, how much my life has been built around some form of future becoming like and we live in this society now where everything is or we're doing something in order to like we don't get exercise just for the joy of getting exercise we get we get exercise aspiring to lose a certain number of pounds or mm-hmm. you know to be in a to, to this vision of ourselves for the future um and i just think so much about you know we don't we don't read books just for the joy of reading is something i've looked you know into the the amount of read people read a lot less than they used to because reading's not fast enough and it and and people think you know i want to speed up my my learning i want to we're always looking at, at at what that future becoming is so i just think that's that's Again, especially prevalent in in the world we live in today. Um, before we even look at future worlds and and, and uh, you know um, what happens after death, just mm. being mindful of living our lives, or how much or how often we live our lives by planning. You know, the action now is the only reason it's of value is because of something that we you know a vision we have of ourselves for the future, which is fabricated. So. Um, that was just one other thing that, that sort of spoke to me. That,
1: that's, thank you. That's a great insight, Tom. Um, yeah, you know, we 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 see that again, like we like we've said, it's it's not we're not practicing this to acquire something. You know? And when we're out in the world, you know, most people have no idea that we're. Doing this or practicing this, you know? So it's certainly not for fame or recognition or um, some kind of social standing. So it was a good insight. I, I appreciate that. Thank you, Tom. Jane.
5: Hi, Matt, thank you so much for the, the talk. Um, at the very beginning, you said something about jhana changes our relationship with the world and it's just having a very strict well-developed meditation practice is for me, I mean, the most important thing, because if I get lax, you know, um, it's very easy to, you know, lose that well-concentrated mind. So it's, for me, it's the, uh, what I need, you know, I remember what it was like before I started the practice. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is enough to get me to, to stay focused. Yeah. But it all begins with the meditation.
1: Thank you, Jane. Yeah, you, you've seen how developing jhana has changed your experience. Exactly. Glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Brian.
6: Matt, uh, thanks for this. Um, Tom, I, I had that revelation the other week in an airport and I, I, I now find it liberating to leave my phone at home and just go walk amongst the zombies because it, it, does feel like you're in a zombie apocalypse <laughs> yeah. where nobody's paying attention. Um, it's, and it's tragic on a number of levels. Um, the one thing I want to say about the, the sutta is that I, I <laughs> love the line about what if I were to seek the same sort of sensual pleasures that I abandoned, I would lose the way. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a reinforcement in there that as you develop jhana and concentration, you start to, to develop that dispassion and the dispassion then leads to the abandonment of, of pleasure, sensual pleasure, whether it's with the world or with the self. And it, it's it's reaffirming that you know you, you can go back. And it's there's there's a there's an action item in there to, to stay with the path that I, I really appreciate. So uh, thank you.
1: Thanks Brian. Yeah I that um, the zombie apocalypse image um, you know, there, there's something about mindfulness, right? What, what we're holding in mind. So there's... It's,
6: the, um, it's almost the antithesis of that. Right. right. Like it's mindlessness right. that's just rampant.
1: Or it's, you could say wrong mindfulness, you know? Right. In that we're holding in mind <clears throat> distraction
6: four oh, inches.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
6: It's just It's it's um it's sad.
2: It speaks again to the pursuit of lesser pleasures mm-hmm. and how you can fall back into sense desire and, and craving for becoming versus. What you might perceive as a harder path of the greater pleasures of the Dhamma and seeing it restricting, but the restriction is simply the April Path. So, it's, and you said it beautifully, the other class, it's, it's a freeing restriction. Mm-hmm. And, and Laura, convey that I think Saturday. <clears throat> it's a focus. It's a focus. It's it's
5: what,
2: what are you giving up? You're giving up this delusion of pleasure.
1: Yeah. Well like we were saying earlier <coughs> that you know that just because the world condones heedlessness doesn't mean that that's what you should be following. Wrong.
3: I think I pretty much put my five cents in there already.
1: (laughs) Glad you're here. Ilya, welcome. You can comment on the class or not, no problem. Whatever moves you.
5: I think I've just passed for now. Yeah,
1: thanks for being here. (laughs) Brett.
5: Good
0: to be here. Thanks for the teaching. I feel like it's pretty
2: relevant
0: in where I'm at now. This this clash of the sutta was just kind of what everybody's commenting on and putting, you know, getting this, you know, this distraction that goes on and it's completely unfulfilling, you know, I'm like this close to getting off of all social media and I do it for my business, but it's just a, it's a joke and it's, it doesn't get me any business anyway. And, and, uh, <laughs> and it's just, and I've, you know, I've been, it's a, it's a distraction, you know, obviously, like, you grab your phone, or you, you it's, it's hard to put your finger on it, like, to convey, like, how far you've been, how far away from just being a regular person, um, you, I, you know, I have been, you know, over the past year, two years, you know, wherever you didn't have all these distractions and just came back to, you know, with, you know, with less, less distractions, all what the kind of was about. Yeah like it's it's freeing it's not as david was saying it's not as you know it's not as interesting at first i think but I, it, it, the, it doesn't solve any like instant gratification or fulfillment but i think overall it's like there's no fulfillment in you know i'm trying to, i got a magazine the other day in the mail and i was like all right well why don't you try to just actually read like this so, Brian am saying that or somebody was saying that um, about <clears throat> not reading. Like just pick up a magazine, read an article. Don't use your phone. You know, mm-hmm. come back to being a human being.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I that's well said. You know, there there's something about there's something that's very there's there's sort of a, a, a gross understanding here and a subtle understanding here. And the gross understanding is is more of like, can I practice restraint from not picking up my phone every five seconds to look at my screen? That's restraint. If you can do that, that's practicing restraint. But then there's also this more subtle understanding of this, of the wisdom of restraint, of, of understanding dispassion, that is about not following every single fantasy that comes into your mind, not following every single instant gratification thought that comes into your mind, not following every single impulse to touch something, or do something, or see something, or hear something, or listen to something, or whatever. So, does that seem right?
0: Yeah, yeah. When it comes down to it, I guess yeah, it's it's, it's not anything. I think is, <clears throat> it's not anything that's like crazy or uncomprehendable. Yeah, right. Just, it's just you know, it's as simple as not being distracted and uh, not following, yeah. and not following distractions. And, yeah. And and realizing what you know what is here is enough. And
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which ultimately mm-hmm. is just.
0: And it's so much more than <laughs> being distracted.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Laura.
7: Yeah, thank you, Matt. Thank you everyone online for your comments. They, I really appreciate them. They helped a lot. And I like, Brett, how you just said um, that it's so unfulfilling because it, it is in the, you know, in the moment, the fantasy or fabrication or things that you're clinging to seem gratifying, but they're, um, they're not. They're often followed by like despair or distress, but um, just like it says up there, I mean, the potential for liberation resides in each moment that occurs. So by interrupting that deluded thinking um, really does bring, you know, through wise restraint, brings um, like paradoxically, liberation mm-hmm. so at first i i didn't get that but i think after saturday's class and today i'm seeing more so how like the restraint really does bring you know liberation
2: mm-hmm. yes. that common stable mind the platform that you can see the other side of this gross pursuit of pleasure without that stable mind, you'll feel that disturbance, but not recognize it as something to abandon. Mm -hmm. And that's what the practice Mm is, Mm -hmm. simply giving you that platform, that stable platform.
7: I like how they repeated, um, or the Buddha repeats, Mm. I think three times or more, maintain persistence. Yeah. You know, mind Mm -hmm. and body united, breath, body united
1: what it is yeah come back here to what's occurring not not what you want to have happen future becoming whatever what's what's occurring now here which if we're not looking at our phone or even if we are what's occurring here is still and we can either move away from that mindfulness of this into mindfulness of this screen and the the sort of hunger that comes from it or we can practice restraint return our mindfulness to the sensation of breathing in our bodies unite our minds in our body and understand dispassion understand that by coming back to what's occurring here in my body now which is I've disengaged the passion to be instantly gratified by a screen or whatever
2: Mm -hmm. right what was it 2600 years ago it wasn't a screen but it was a thought of something that was Fancy. Yeah. This is why I'm sitting. This is why I'm, my practice is to get someplace else out of my body and my mind. Mm-hmm. Just another stream. Right. Yeah.
3: And those days it was just the gossip in the marketplace. Yeah. That yeah. Would be the the destruction. Well,
5: yeah. creating, making something, creating. Yeah. I mean, we've had 450 years of trying to make things more efficient, making things more efficient, and no one has any time.
1: Right. <laughs> I mean, you
5: nobody sure? has any time. Yeah. I have time now, They <laughs> <that's laughs> gave you some time.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's... Yeah, I got
5: rid of my cell phone a year ago, and um, it's just, a, I'm at a more normal, normal's not the right word, um, at a more human pace.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
5: For. Or the the timeline of how things occur are observed are responded to there's a natural rhythm in that that's been developed through our our human um, evolution and to put it on steroids and jack it all up with sugars and and, and, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. talking about either but the technology is like a sugar you know it's you, you have to You've got armies. You've got to feed. That's the hunger, that yeah. Yeah, and and it's like to get rid of all that. Yeah, you, know, you just you just go back to like, oh, that's a really beautiful uh, bird song, mm-hmm. <laughs> a, or quiet yeah. is perfect. You, mm-hmm. know, yeah, or, mm-hmm. you know, but there's nobody. There's nobody I have to respond to or get to or or or, 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 or be annoyed by or yeah. Just as i still have friends mm-hmm. and you know people I communicate with, yeah. but yeah. it's. On human level, you yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, if you think about writing letters and you know, you write to your beloved across the ocean, and right. you know, six months later you get something back, and it's like, oh my god, yeah. this is so wonderful! <laughs> I read this letter. You know? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
5: Putting like wax stamps on it, and <laughs> sealing it, little dried flowers. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, right. there's a time, a sense of time about that that I think is. Is on the same pace of our untechnical, untechnological evolution. <laughs> you know that, that we all need and crave, and it's satisfying.
3: It's very satisfying.
1: Yeah,
3: I, I just flashed back on on. I was working somewhere about 20, 25 years ago, and we I was working in a painting crew, and the radio was always blaring. Always, <laughs> you know, you there could there could not be a moment of silence, you know. That was the destruction. Then I remember at one point one of the guys got picked up for uh, by the boss to go to a, a different job site. His ass hadn't hit the seat in the car yet, and he was already reaching for
5: the <laughs> Yeah, silence is.
3: Right know, it just, <laughs> it's the same. It's it's you know, it's. That, <laughs> You have to have that at least the auditory uh, uh, distraction. There. Yeah. Yeah. That was only twenty years ago.
1: Well, and that's 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 it. In that in that, again, wisdom of restraint, understanding dispassion. If if I'm constantly feeding the passion to consume sounds, consume images, consume whatever, then. I am never here with what's occurring. I'm always in the process of feeding
2: the craving. And you're always, you're, it's the gross restraint without a practice. Yeah. You can get good at restraint, but I always think of it as willpower. power. And like right. any muscle, it will weaken. But with the practice it's a refined mindfulness it's a refined mm-hmm. restraint mm-hmm. and then it's just ram and i often say mm-hmm. you just become you yeah. just become this mm-hmm. calm person that it's hardly restraint it's Saraputa who doesn't react to getting hit on the head with a stick right <laughs> yeah it just
7: becomes natural it just becomes
2: yeah natural yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Thanks, everybody. Great class. You guys have anything you want to add on that?
4: Great to hear everyone's thoughts. Yeah, it's um, really interesting.
1: So we will end with metta as we always do. Find your relaxed meditation posture. Gently close your eyes, gently close your mouth. These are the Buddha's words on metta from the Karnia Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, The great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill-will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you for a wonderful class, everyone. Thank you.
5: Thank
1: you, man. Have a good night. Thanks,
5: man. Thank you.
7: Good night.
1: Have a good night. <laughs>